Welcome back to the Capes and Tights podcast right here on capesandtights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. This is actually our last episode of a two-episode week. Uh, this is actually coming out on a Wednesday, and this will be the new release date moving forward, just so everybody knows, every Wednesday right here on capesandtights.com. But for this episode, we have Fred Kennedy, Fearless Fred, who is a radio host, but also a comic book writer for the book Dead Romans over at, excuse me, Image Comics uh, that released back in March with issues coming out in April and issues coming out May 24th, as well as a hardcover coming out here pretty soon from a shadow line over at Image Comics. But we talked about, honestly, the first half an hour or so is talking about Star Wars. So if anybody's a big Star Wars fan, check that out. If not, fast forward a little bit until we get into talking about Dead Romans, uh, which is talking about the artwork, Nick's work. Fred's work, all that stuff on there, as well as we finish off the episode talking a little bit about Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story, uh, audio drama coming from Fred himself. Uh, it's available on Spotify, Apple, and all those major podcasting platforms. Speaking of that, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as rate, review, and, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and all your major podcasting platforms. Five stars, please. But this is episode number 107 with Fred Kennedy, comic book writer and radio host. Enjoy, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, Fred. How are you this morning? So good, man. So good. I'm coffeeed up and I'm ready to go. Yeah, I got my coffee. I got my, I'm from, we live in, I live in Maine. So I got my, like, I always do this, like, L.L. Bean, Free sponsorship right, right there on the podcast. It's yeah. LL Bean. I love the East Coast, man. My family's all from Nova Scotia, so it's a very similar country. My, my son's name is Nova, so there. <laughs> right on. Right? It's meant and I'm to sure be. it's about Nova Scotia, too. Yeah. And honestly, the funny thing is, and I, this is my, my in-laws always, like, afterwards, after I bought, like, Nova number one and things like that, they're like, oh, the superhero. I'm like, no, actually, for, like, a small split second when we're going to name my son, my wife and I were talking, and the name came up originally to name a girl. If we had a girl, it would be Nova. And then I said, you know what? Let's look at the history of Nova. Nova's actually traditionally back in Scandinavian uh, history is a is a male name. And I said, well, let's use it as a boy name. It literally for like two weeks span, it, the, the fact that Nova was a superhero lost my mind, like train of thought. I completely yeah. didn't even. And so when I did, I was like, oh, my God. But then I obviously went full force and full <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that is that way. So I got like a Nova tattoo and I got yeah. Nova comics. And now anything that has the word Nova on it, I buy. So, uh, yeah, I, it's not because it's a superhero. But my uh, my oldest, we, his, his middle name uh, is Tyrell from Chief Tyrell from uh, Battlestar Galactica. My absolute favorite character on that show. I know, I know that's wild. Like Nova's like a awesome superhero. It's like, I've got a side character from a sci-fi show from the early 2000s. He doesn't know, but one day we're going to watch it. I'm just going to see if he notices. I'm not going to tell him anything. I'm just going to see if he notices, you know? He just pauses it and goes, really? Yeah, yeah re- <laughs> really, Dad? He's a great character. He's a, he's the chief. He's a great character. Oh, I, and that's the thing is, too. For me, I'm, like, waiting. Like I, I'm, I'm waiting for Marvel to put out. They're supposed to put out some special presentation Nova thing on disney plus at some point in the future and part of me is like i want it now but the other part of me was like i want to be able to watch it he's two years old yes. now so i'm like yeah. can you push it out like maybe four or five years from now so that he can actually sit down and watch it with me and not just be like oh there's something on tv i want to play my cars like I, 
that is dope. Like, like the, when you're trying to share those things with your kids. And I think that I pulled the trigger on star Wars just a bit too early. Like mm -hmm. the original trilogy, I think I pulled the trigger a bit early, but then rebels came out at the perfect time for both my kids. And it's funny. They don't really have a big connection to the movies. They don't think of star Wars as that original trilogy that we do they think of star wars as rebels like that's their star wars and to be honest i'm so glad it is because i think rebels is probably my favorite star wars and that's including like mandalorian and or is a completely different animal and or mm. and rogue one are sort of like their own little thing uh but when it comes to like star wars star wars it's like that's what i always think about is is that show I and mean, my kids love it too so that's their star wars which is rad and I'm loving the fact that, I mean, it's funny how you mentioned Star Wars. So last week here at the podcast and on our website, we had Star Wars week and we had a couple of guests and we'll do it again next year. And so we did it two years ago and or last year, I should say. And last year, what we did, instead of having guests on, my former co-host and I just reviewed episodes one, two and three. And the idea was we'd get to four, five and six and seven, you know, so on and so forth. And he ended up moving to Indiana and it all fell apart and we ended up going to more of a guest model. But uh, during that conversation, we basically said that we're always going to have this generation's version of Star Wars now that we get yeah. more like it was just Star Wars. But then when the prequels came out and the you know sequels came out, it's always going to be that generation. So like I'm excited to see like my son's generation of Star Wars is going to be probably something he watched on Disney Plus and yeah. not actually in the theaters, uh, which is kind of a cool, cool thing. I actually quasi forced him to watch uh, uh, Young Jedi Adventures the other day. I really wanted to watch it, but I was trying to justify <laughs> watching a, like a really kid, young kid. Like my wife is sitting on the couch, like, "What are you watching?" I'm like, "He wants to watch it." I promise. I get you, this. He wants uh, to watch it. <laughs> I get that so much. I so understand that. I have done that exact same thing. Ah, oh, yeah, I get that for sure. I am so know, excited to watch it. One, two, and three. <laughs> I yesterday, just yesterday was, I, I was talking on the phone with my dad and I, I realized like how harsh I was to that original trilogy and having watched it again with my kids, I get more out of it. And I think that, uh, that the first one, the Phantom Menace, I think is so much stronger than I remembered it being. Um, and I was so distracted because when it came out, I was like, in my early twenties. And I was sort of riding that like, Oh, I don't like Jar Jar Binks kind mm -hmm. of bandwagon. And that's, that, that's not, I'm not saying that's good. I was never, I never said anything online. I don't spread like <laughs> anger online. Cause I, I was never that guy, but like with my friends and I would talk, I, I'd mm -hmm. be not the biggest fan of that. It was very distracting to me, but the watching it again with my children, it's way better than I remember, especially revenge of the sith is a lot better than i remembered it being like that opening star battle is there's some like kooky elements to it yeah but i still think it's better than i remembered it being and i and i don't know if if it's like age and hindsight makes me like it more watching it with the kids and seeing them like lose their mind to it but also having watched the Genny tartarovsky like animated clone wars in between and the immediate setup to that so when we watched, when I watched it with my kids, we went through and we watched all the stuff in between. We sort of did it in chronological order, yeah. like over the course of a year, you know. And that setup from the the animated one to the live action, it's like it's a seamless transition. It's like a Rogue One into Episode Four, you know. 
it, 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 it made me like it a lot more. Well, it's 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 uh, Heather Antos is on uh, for Star Wars Week, and she's a, she used to edit uh, a Star Wars comic books and talking about people's preconceived because it's such a big universe and such a big there's just so much going on now with the high republic books and all those stuff yeah and, and the fan fiction and, and obviously some you have a fan uh, podcast coming out here and we put into our minds what we want the next movie to be yeah. and so like what we all wanted after the, the 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 original trilogy coming into episode one what we wanted to happen wasn't exactly what we what happened on screen for a lot of people yeah. and so it, it automatically made people shit on it and it was like well it was actually not a bad movie. It just wasn't the movie you were expecting. Totally. And that's where I think a lot of people like crap on that first or that, that, that prequel trilogy, I should say. Totally. And I do wonder if if maybe the expanded universe novels are a are a, like a not I don't know, not like not symptom, but like one of the yeah. reasons for that is because when we read like the Heir to the Empire trilogy and then you get the movies and they're completely different. But then they're not saying that one is canon and one is not. And it's like, well, you said this was canon. And yeah. for years we thought this was what it was. But then you're saying this is what it is. And I and I wonder if for the real hardcore Star Wars fans that had read all those books, if that confusion contributed to some of the anger. And that's possible. And I, I do think that that's the fairest yes. sort of angle people can take for criticism. But there's no excuse for like the the prototypical man baby star wars fan mm -hmm. behavior you know but i think that in going back like to the late 90s for that movie specifically i think that argument can hold some water mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah i thought i saw it was a this morning or last night a meme that was like saying like you know you guys disney ruined star wars but then it was like the one below it. it says no you did because you villainized and made people want to yes. quit acting and all this other stuff like you're the one that actually ruined star totally Wars. did a hundred percent i agree with that it, it's it's really like this big self-fulfilling prophecy of these people just putting like wave after wave of negativity into the world and then confused when negativity comes back to them and it's like it's like an aesop fable you know mm -hmm. It's like this is you're literally reaping what you sow. There's all these ancient metaphors for exactly what just happened, man. So just like accept it. It's not for you. Shut your mouth and yeah. move on. Like exactly. whatever. You have your story that you can have in your brain. Write it yourself. Do your own thing, you know? It, uh, I love, and, and you mentioned a more recent Star Wars shows, is I felt like a Bill Buckner moment. You mentioned Jar Jar Binks, whereas yeah. I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm in New England. And so when Bill Buckner was brought back to New England years and years and years later and the crowd sheared him and so on and so forth because he was villainized for the years and years and years for missing the ball between his legs. And when Ahmed Best gets an opportunity to actually star in a TV show in a different role, it was almost like a... Uh, like, I don't know, the fans are so excited for him again because I feel like we're past that time where people were just shitting on him because I think like, the fans cause it was his fault. With, yeah, <laughs> the kids that grew up with him. Like, yes. they, we're talking about that generational thing. The little kids that loved Jar Jar Binks and had the T-shirts and the water bottle and all that stuff, those are the kids that were excited. And now the older guys who are generally speaking, like, seriously, it's my generation that's the yeah. worst for that. Uh, the, the guys that are my age are watching with their kids. Being, I remember Jar Jar Binks. And it's like, yeah, but you were a jerk. You sent letters <laughs> into like magazines about how awful he was. And literally, cause that's what you did then. There wasn't like, yep. there wasn't the message boards that there are now. And it's like, and now you're like, you're all excited about it. And I do think that I, I remember seeing it was on IO9 in particular. There was a, it was, there was an article, I think, and it was by Jermaine Lucier. I think that's his name. I think that's what his name is. And he wrote an article about how he feels bad about all the bashing 
of Jar Jar Binks that he did because all the stories about what happened to Ahmed Best came out. We all heard the stories about Jake Lloyd, yeah. but we didn't hear so much about Ahmed Best. And it's like when all those stories, there is a genuine sense of humanity where you're like, that's a real person. And then you, I would like to think people can be reflective and, and maybe make a decision to be a better person. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, yeah, I feel like a, for me personally, if I, you know, I, so I'm trying to think of, so I'm 30, I'll be 37 next week. And we, I live in the same town, but I moved away in between, but I live in the same town when Star Wars episode one was coming out. I just remember the gas station, you walked in there and every freaking product, motor oil basically had like Star Wars on it. It was like the biggest, I, that was like when pop culture was like, oh my God for me, because it was literally everything in the store had, had it, you know, they had standees and, and all kinds of stuff in there. But I wish that I would have said that if like, it's not Ahmed Best's fault that Jar Jar yeah. Binks was not liked. It was obviously the creative team. Ahmed Best got the opportunity to star in a Star Wars. We should have all gone behind him, been yeah. like, we're going to support you because you got screwed kind of thing in that sense. But instead, we shit on him because he said the same thing we would all say. Oh, you want me to act in a movie with Star Wars? So where do I sign? Yeah, and like he did Apple that, and we all level. shit on him. Yes, yeah, it's like he didn't write it. Like, stop <laughs> being so angry at the guy who's like the, the. But it's like the double-edged sword. When you're the movie's great, you get all the praise, and the movie's bad, you get all the hate. So you're the figurehead. That's the that's part of being the star of the movie. You know. Yeah. And I just hate it because I, I I we were at a convention recently. You mentioned before we got on here talking about a convention or free comic book day and and being at things and it's like all these people who were in these. Like I, I know like the local convention here in Maine that's coming up in October. We have a couple of like Jawas that were in like Mandalorian and and, and uh, Obi Wan and stuff like that. Like we really like background people are getting opportunities to get paid yeah. to get their autographs and get get signatures. I'm at best for years never could go to a convention basically and be or or Jake Lloyd. Like think about what they could be doing right now at conventions because how big conventions are and signing autographs, but like. They don't do that because, or yeah. Ahmed Best might do, do it now, but right after that, they weren't doing that because they were like people would have thrown tomatoes at them, and I'm like, that so, sucks. <laughs> and they would have got cheered. Like I, I, and I think that there's been a lot of, uh, there's a lot of comeuppance to that negativity, and I think yeah. that's a good thing. Like we're, I think the scene is getting a lot more welcoming mm -hmm. to people, and and there's because people are more informed because of the internet, they're able to like realize the scene behind the scene kind of and that makes me very happy i think that's nice. really good it's so speaking good. of that you're a comic book writer now now you just call yourself a comic book writer right i mean obviously you're, yeah. you're dead romans there we'll get to dead romans in a second but I, like this the star wars tangent i'm on i'm i'm I'm, in, dude, I'm fully engaged i love it i'm in the church uh, with you but now you're yeah you're writing comic books would you take so Again, we're talking about the idea of, you know, in a universe that people are very picky and very particular about how they want things. If someone came to you, not just because, yes, you'd say yes, because you want to write a Star Wars comic book. How difficult do you think would it be for someone to come to you and say, would you like to write a Star Wars comic book and you do it and not get villainized for something you did wrong? Like, how do you think you'd handle writing a oh, Star Wars comic book? I'm very used to criticism. I work, yes. my day job is on the radio. <laughs> yes, so. Like I'm on, I work on the radio. So I get, I like, I always talk to Adam Gorham is like one of my best friends. And so we talk about like the, the similarities between the broadcasting world and the comic book world. And like, I marinate in hatred. Like I mm. am fine with it. I get it. I deal with it. Doing a Star Wars comic and getting hated for it would be absolutely fine. <laughs> I'm on, uh, there's a cartoon, Total Drama Island, and I do a voice of a character on that show in the reboot, and, and he's like the worst character. 
Like it's such a great <laughs> character for me as a like doing the voice work. I love doing it because he's so awful, and that's the funnest thing about it. But all of the hatred about the show invariably involves the character I play. And I get bleed over hatred about it all the time. And it's like, if anything, I have elicited a strong emotional response, meaning I have done my job. Mm -hmm. uh, so writing a Star Wars comic, I would die to write a Star Wars comic. And and I've talked to friends that have and they're like, it's a lot different than what you expect because there's a, like a whole like there's multiple layers of editorial you got to go through. And it's like, I know and I'm ready for it. I'll do it all. I don't care. I just want to do it to say that I did it. You know what I mean? So I would get on board with writing a Star Wars comic. I wish I could have worked with Heather yes. uh, when she was editing Star Wars because I, I've worked with with Heather before and I and I think she's fantastic. Um, but I would love to do a Star Wars book for sure. Like Adam Gorham is doing that like uh, that Star Wars Darth Vader book right now. Mm -hmm. And and I was looking. I saw Pencils and Inks months ago, and I was like, I'm so mad I'm not riding this train with you, man. Because there's that one page that you're seeing going around where Vader is like just like full on like blowing things up using yeah. the force. He's losing control. And and when I was looking at those pages, I was like, oh, my God, this is everything that I've wanted to see for years. I'm so mad. I'm furious. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I I always think one of those things is like, oh, Michael Jordan used to say, like, he'd play basketball for free, uh, you know, because he just loves it so much or whatever. It's the same thing I feel like for a lot of people with some of these books. Like, obviously, you need to make a paycheck. You have a day job, so on and so forth. But if someone's like, we need you to write, like, a mini story in this anthology for Star Wars, we're not going to pay you. You'd probably be like, yep. Where do I Done. sign? How do I get this? Yeah, hundred percent, dude. I, I like I a lot of us would. But the radio play, like with Mud Seventy Nine, that's yeah. exactly what I did. We can talk about that after. Yes. But like, it, I did that for free. I'm still in the process of doing that for free, and that is hundreds of hours of work. No one's paying me for that. I just love it so much. And that's why we're a bunch of nerds. That's the other thing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Like, it's yeah, Star Wars like, fandom, and that's one of those things that I, 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 I'm putting together a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles week in August, and we're going to talk to some creators and things like that, too. But, like, it, it's a little bit more of a poll to try to get content for me. Uh, I'm a big Turtles fan, but not as much as I am a Star Wars fan. I feel like I had too much content for Star Wars week, and I could I could have pulled things some things back and wait till next year and so on. Whereas, like, it's just, it's just, I don't know, TMNT. And then Horror Week. I'm doing a Horror Week in October, and that one's a little bit easier to pull things through. I don't know why I just got, like, this, like, gap in my mind with Turtles, but Star Wars was easy. Star Wars yeah. is one of those ones. There's just so much shit. And I have a whole entire bookshelf now of just High Republic uh, books now because of all the books that came out. And then Star Wars imagine, comic like, books. a Turtles-Star Wars crossover would oh, be doing... I don't know if that's ever happened, but it would be no. pretty dope. The two upcoming Turtles crossovers in comic books is Street Fighter, which is pretty badass and stranger things yep yeah and so yeah, yeah. i was like i was like oh, they're just, first of all love idw but i felt like it was like okay we're gonna take all of our intellectual property that we have right here and just start going like this with them and see what it sticks <laughs> I, i'm such a like i feel like i've totally switched over when we're talking going back to like the star wars thing yeah. like I'm right now, I'm like, that's crazy. I love it. Let's do it. Like, yes. that's I'm now. like yes. it doesn't make any sense. It's beautiful. Make it work. Like, let's just see how it all goes down. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. we live in a world of multiverses. You can yeah. do anything. If it's do under it. the same banner, you might as well do it. There's no reason not to. I mean, they just did the uh, TMNT uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers crossover. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's another Batman. One. Yeah. Those ones are back. 
So this crossovers are easy and you get two fandoms that go together in, in a way that, you know, you get whatever artist wants to do it. Like uh, Ryan uh, Parrott did the, uh, the TMNT Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which was amazing because his yeah, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers run is a beautiful, beautiful comic book. But yeah, it, it's a crazy world. But the problem with it is, is that Star Wars is such a like, like they're so particular over at Disney and Lucasfilm of what they do and what they can't do that it's just one of those things touching something else is going to be almost impossible for us to do anything else other than just what star Wars proper is. <laughs> I'm a true believer. I believe they can pull it off, man. <laughs> you speak it out into the world and it will come, yeah, right? You just say absolutely. it out loud. It would come, but, uh, well, you know, obviously I could talk, we could talk star Wars forever. How about maybe, maybe you're a guest next year on star Wars yeah, just to shoot the I'm shit sure. about star Wars. I'll, I'll come on. Don't worry. Uh, but dead Romans. So you're a comic book fan before you started writing comic, uh, yeah. obviously you mentioned you're a Star Wars fan uh, for a long time too. And, and so how did you go from being a pop culture fan to writing a comic book in the first place? How did that transition happen? It was 24 hour comic book day challenges. So what happened was, and this is like years ago, yeah. um, there, when I was living in Edmonton, there's a shop uh, used to be called Happy Harbor um owned by jay bardila and just a real champion of comic books like comics are for everyone let's get mm -hmm. everyone into the shop and it was a really it was a polar opposite environment of like the androids dungeons stimson's kind of world of like you don't belong you know it was very much like oh yeah you want to try this you'll like this and he, jay is just a great human being and i was on the air and i had just heard about free comic book day and I decided I'll like get in touch with the shop. And then we talked about it on the air and I came down and it was, I, the big book at the time was why the last man was just mm -hmm. wrapping up. Cause I read comics like in high school and in junior high over at the Seven Eleven on the spinner rack and stuff. But I'd fallen out of comics when uh, I was starting out in broadcasting and was broke and had no money to buy anything. Mm -hmm. And then when I went there, like I snagged a trade of, uh, why the last man and that led into uh, in the back of that ads there was 100 bullets which was the book that really pulled me back into comics as like a guy in his mid-20s back in giving me that vibe that I had at like 13 14 years old when I was like super into it you know um, getting like milk crates of like Conan comics from my buddy's yes. older brother that guy who had the black light posters. And so I was like, I got all the answers. That guy gave me a crate of heavy metal and Conan the Barbarian comics in junior high. And that was a big deal. Um, but it gave me that feeling again. And so I went to the 24 hour comic book day challenge and I did the comic book day challenge that year. And then I moved to Toronto the following fall. And this is going to sound kind of weird, but I was at a radio station event and Kevin Smith was there and I had just finished Longbow Hunters and when he was there and I talked to him I'm like hey man I love Longbow Hunters and one day I'm gonna write like I'm gonna write some comics too and he like it was awesome it was such a great moment we were smoking a doobie and he hands yes. it back to me and I just I'm holding it and I remember I was holding it and he goes why aren't you writing comics right now and I was like why am I not writing comics right now and so I started working on my first big indie book 
that Adam and I did together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was called Teuton. And it was this like historical fantasy in Lithuania during the high medieval ages, during the Northern Crusades. And we brought in all these like mythic godlike characters and the mortals are doing the machinations of the gods. And you don't know who's good and who's bad and who's really working against each other. And then it was, we did three trades of it. We did, it was a 300 page story and we did it over the course of like four years just on the side. Cause he mm-hmm. was working, I was working, you know? Um, and that was really the beginning. And then I did uh, a small press book called the fourth planet with chapter house, which was a Canadian imprint. Uh, and I did it with this guy, Miko Maciejek, who's this Polish artist, uh, Polish Canadian artist. And, that's a book that I really would love to do. It, we ended up like there was some issues with the publisher and the classic small publisher stories. And mm-hmm. it, it didn't, it didn't last. And what's frustrating to me is like, we built this really cool fan, not fantasy. It was a, it was a sci-fi story, but it was like a, I'm not going to lie. It was super artsy fartsy. And I was like, really <laughs> like, really like doing something that was ethereal and out there and getting super like inside of my own head and philosophical. And I really loved it. I loved the book and, and it, it was really well received. Uh, and I would always love to do it again, but it just didn't last. And when the pandemic happened, I was in the process of working on a few things and then they all fell through with pencils down and I completely gave up on comics. I'd like was totally wasn't going to do it. And that's when I started working on the the radio play, the Mud 79. And I'd completely forgotten that right before the pandemic hit, uh, I was working with Nick on the pitch pages for Dead Romans. And he was in the middle of working on two other things. And I gave him the money for the pitch. And that was it. I kind of like forgotten it. And then I got this this these disappointing emails and there was three comics in particular that were really getting traction and and we were talking about specifics about about uh scheduling and 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 page rates and the rights and getting contracts and paperwork but when it all imploded i was really dejected Mm -hmm. and i was really like i'd given up i i totally given up and then i got this email from nick and he had the pages done and then i was like okay and then they were really really good (laughs) really really good and i i i sent them to kalman andrashovsky uh and i was like what do i do with this he goes dude you send it everywhere right now he goes you send it everywhere and i'd sent it to so the first place i sent it to actually i wanted it with idw is where Mm -hmm. i sent it to and i got uh an email back and it was a rejection but what was good about the rejection was they actually read everything. Like they mm-hmm. really did go through it. And uh, she explained that this, it looks great. It's fantastic. She goes, the thing is that we don't know, like we're not clear about certain things with the characters and what's going to happen. And these were things that were included in the story. I just didn't include them in the pitch. Yeah. Cause like, I don't, I'm terrible at pitching. <laughs> um, and so I, took those notes that I got and I reworked the pitch and then I sent it more places and then it landed. And I, I really do have to credit the editorial team at, at IDW for their, for their fantastic feedback. And then when I wrote back asking questions, cause I was like, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just, if you could clarify this so that I can learn to be better for next time, I'd really appreciate it. And then they did. And I was mm-hmm. like, 
you i love that i love it when people will just take the time to talk to you like a human being and and it's it's good if you're not like you know you're not being abrasive with them and so then i sent the pitch out for dead romans and it's it, it's it, with jim he wrote back i sent it in the morning so what i did was because i still wasn't confident about the pitch is i just <laughs> sent the pages so i just sent the pages and i said this is beautiful and then he wrote back and right away and he's like you don't need to tell me it's beautiful I'll know if it's beautiful when I see the pages. And my reaction is, well, you really screwed that one up, Kennedy. You just, you just did that. That's not happening. And I got a letter back later that day. It was, this is beautiful. Send me everything you have. And I'm like, whew. So I sent him everything I had. And by the end of the day, we had a contract. Like, yeah. it just went like that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is really happening. So, yeah, it was very quick once it happened. And Nick had to clear some stuff that he was working on off the table. And then we went straight ahead and we had the book. It's, yeah, it's, here, it's, here we are now. It's almost like that email was originally like, oh God, another freaking comic book of someone's trying to tell me it's beautiful. Yeah. Send it back, send it back your initial reaction. Like, don't tell me it's beautiful. And then all of a sudden you read it and you look at it. You're like, oh, never mind. Let me retract yeah. it really quickly. Oh. It's actually beautiful. It, it's, it, it's a beautiful book. So that's one thing. It's like, you're obviously the writer of the book. Nick's yeah. the artist of the book. However, I uh, last year I had uh, Adam Caesar and David Stoll on. And one of the things that they did to talk about their book, Dead Ball over at Dark Horse, that that book to me was a visually stunning book. Yeah. It's the same thing with this one. I picked this book up. A lot of times I'm picking books up uh, based on recommendations from some PR people, uh, based on uh, seeing on the internet. A lot of times I'll look, a uh, key comic collector has like a key independent books or key books that are coming up. And a lot of times things show up and dead Romans came up in one of those things. So I had, and again, it depends on the comic book shop of what, what people order. So like dead Romans, for example, it's a, it's a book that I, I would say not every comic book shop across the country in North America ordered the book just because yeah. of the fact of what it's based around, like with the yeah. historical part of it, all that stuff. And my local comic book shop, he knows his spot. He has, 20 people on a pull list. We're a very small LCS yeah. in Bangor, Maine. And so he knows the spot. He knows where he needs to spend his budgeting dollars and so on and stuff. But so when I said, I want you to order this for FOC, he's like, oh, I don't know, man, I'll order a copy for you. But then he ended up, ended up ordering four or five copies, which is a lot for his shop, just to let you know. And <laughs> like, when he put it on the, every week when he sends out the pull list, he puts a little thing on, he put it on there. He had more people order it. <laughs> yeah. Then, because then, 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 yeah. So we had to order some more. But uh, what I was saying, what I reason was like, I read the book. I like, I looked at the title, the synopsis, whatever. I opened the book up. I go, holy crap! I could just stare at this book. Yeah. For hours and I hours do. and hours. <laughs> and every single time I've read it since then, I've read issue one a couple of times. Like, just opening it up, I'm like, wow. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's something that I not normally that you don't normally see. I think it's part of it. It's it's dark but light. It's got grittiness and cleanness to it. It's got, I don't know, something about Nick's artwork. That's like, I'm now a Nick fan, you know, <laughs> forever. Like, it's like, I'm a fan I'll of you, you too. I'll show you some when we're off air if you want to see some. <laughs> like, geez, it's like, oh my God, I, I just couldn't get over how much I love the visual aspect of it. Not to mention that story that went along with it, obviously. Um, but you guys, too, the story matched your your yeah. his artwork. And there's sometimes comic books out there when I'm looking at and reviewing and talking about comic books that it just seems like they grab, oh, you're an artist and you want to do this? Cool, I'll grab you. Oh, you know, and then they just, yeah. it doesn't mesh. And your your story, Dead Romans, and, and Nick's artwork like seamlessly went together and made a perfect comic book, so. It had to, it, that story was super tight for me. Like, it was really close to, to, to my heart kind of deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew the art needed to be perfect for it to sell. Because it is a hard sell because of like what you said, it's, 
you see it and there's this there's this idea that it is a historical fiction mm -hmm. story but it's not it's really a love story in a horror setting is the best way to describe it for me and because it is and when i i so i was at a show nick was tabling there and he had this book called the voyager and it was when i remember when i saw it I was like that's the one but and mm -hmm. i was terrified to talk to him because he's <laughs> really good and so who, who am I? I'm like, there's nobody. So I, I message, I go up and I talk to him, like I soft sell him at the table. And then I, I messaged him later on. And when I messaged him, he apparently, I didn't know this, but when he read my email, he was listening to a podcast about the history of Rome when he read the email. <laughs> and he goes, it's like, it was fate. It's like, I knew I needed to talk to you about it. And so then I started talking to him about it. I'm like, let's go for drinks. So we went for drinks. Um, and when we we talked all about the intent setting and just the real world horror that is at play in this book because you're dealing with a story that's set in a swamp that's been like borderline flooded with rains and so you're marching through this swamp and there's no lights like when it goes dark it's dark and then you're hiding in the mud in the rain getting eaten alive by bugs listening to the screams of thousands of people around you being sacrificed and butchered alive, the dead and dying everywhere, because the Varian disaster is difficult to understand in terms of the scale today. Mm -hmm. And this happened 2000 years ago. And you've got like 40,000 people getting massacred over four days steady. It's just a hundred kilometer stretch of death. And there's no phones. There's no radios. Nobody knows what happened. All you're doing is you know that everyone's dying around you and you better run. And then you take that setting, which is horrifying. Like it is, it is as horror movie as you can get. And then you've got two people that are desperately in love, mm -hmm. trying to find each other amid this chaos. And I always draw the comparison to 28 days later, mm -hmm. which I believe again at its core is a love story in mm -hmm. a horrible setting. And that, and I really think those moments where you're in these horrific scenarios really bring out the best and the worst in people. And that scene at the end of the movie is one of my favorite scenes in movies where she's looking in his eyes, trying to figure out if he's got the rage virus because of how brutal and savage he was, but that wasn't the rage virus. That was just him trying to get to her and save her, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like those elements are firmly at play in this story. And when, when like I've heard people like, so what's it about? I'm always like, well, it's like a horror setting with a love story. And like, really? I'm like, it makes sense when you really you gotta understand what I'm trying to say here. But, and with Nick's, with with Nick's art, I really feel like that opening scene, like the opening nine pages of this book, it really is, uh, um, a micro of the macro, you know, mm -hmm. because you've got these two characters that are just so in love, like hopelessly in love, saying dumb, unrealistic, implausible <laughs> things, living in the like, you know what it's like when you're you're hopefully like, I'm going to give you the world. I'm going to do yeah. everything for you. I'm going to make all these things happen for you. And then, yeah, but this is the reality. And then reality starts flooding in. And that moment where he's like, he's looking out into the because he knows what's in the woods. He yep. knows what's coming. And he looks back at her and he's like, the land hates us. He's like, you've got like, trust me, bad things are about to happen. And when he gives her that sword, it was like, I've got really like, 
gotta understand Nick. It's so symbolic. Like it's it's important that she he's giving her he's giving her his sword. The sword that like saved his life thousands of times. It has gotten him through thick and thin. He <laughs> gives it to her. That is him giving her everything right there. Like and then we're like and it's like his manhood, the symbolic symbol of of manhood and the sword and the phallic imagery and he's giving it to her and I'm like <laughs> he, she owns it she owns it and i was like we're like no one's gonna pick up on any of this I'm like but we are nick yes that's what matters is that we and if one it. person does we did our job i'm sending this to my high school english teacher and say i was paying attention miss blewett i was <laughs> listening i was paying attention it's all right there yeah, that, my, my, that's an English teacher. That's a teacher that made a massive impact on my life and the way I looked at stories with Miss Blue. I like I like how you were saying your your my thought is whenever I have something successful now, I look back to the teachers who didn't think I was gonna be successful and be like, yeah. screw you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're more like, thank you. I appreciate it. I was yeah, listening. I, you were so great. I was paying attention. Queen Mab and Romeo and Juliet. I got it. I understood what was <laughs> happening. I did, I swear. Well, I think you said that trying to hard to sell someone on it in the same sense that there's so much out there right now. It's nice to have something that's based in a different yeah. time and age. I mean, I feel like there's just I'm a big horror comic book fan now, and I, I wasn't a horror fan at all. Like I did not. I barely saw any horror movies. I didn't read. I live in Bangor, Maine, and that's where Stephen King is and didn't read horror novels and all this other stuff. And then when there's like a couple of years ago, about four or five years ago, when some of these new horror books came out and something like that, I mean, I have, it's hard for people to see who are not watching, but I have something's killing the children right here. One of the great yeah. horror books right now. And it, 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 that horror aspect's great, but then there's just, they're basically all set in the same place. It's like modern day, uh, you know, United States of America or North America or wherever. And it's just a horror, it's some sort of horror story with some sort of supernatural element to it. And it's yeah. like having a horror story, love story based in Roman times it, it is this, it, just, it sets it apart. Like in that sense that it, it's, it's hard sometimes to sell. And that's maybe why you got some rejections to so the idea that like, mostly hard for us to sell. And the, the point of comic books is yeah. for a publisher to sell your comic book. But in the same sense, I feel like to me, it seems like an easier sell because, you know, like it stands out from the rest. You want something different? Totally. Here you go. This you is want what you something need right adjacent. Now. I think that was the message yes, that yes. people were saying without saying was that they wanted something adjacent that could sit on the shelf next to something else. That was a, one of the things that we got from, I think it was Skybound was saying that it was difficult to sell historical fiction. Mm -hmm. And and I, I wasn't like, you don't understand. You don't get what I'm doing. But I was very much like, I get it. I do. I just really believe in it. And I'm very yeah. fortunate that Shadowline believed in what we we're doing. And I don't want that to seem like I'm slagging Skybound at all. Yeah. I am a huge <laughs> diehard Invincible fan for life. Uh, but for me, like I, this was a story that I really wanted to do. I, I've talked about, I grew up in Belgium and we lived by uh, a bunch of like, well, not lived by, but we could take a bus ride and go yes. to like Roman ruins. And there was this one recreated village. And that was really sort of like the impetus that set me on the path. Um, cause it was, it's a, it was a battle that was mentioned in the, in Julius Caesar's war diary about fighting the Belgii. And, mm -hmm. and so I was like, Ooh, and then you see these things and you're like, that's a, that was a real thing that really happened right here. Uh, and so that was this fascination with Rome. I've always thought that doing a story about Rome would be dope. And, uh, when I talked to Nick about it, Nick got like, you don't understand because Rome is like the artist's dream. He goes, all of these ideas of iconic imagery, yep. that's sort of like the beginning and the visuals <laughs> at play.
play with the idea of Rome and the pomp and the circumstance. It is empire, you know? And mm -hmm. you see that weaving its way through, even going back to Star Wars, like Star Wars, like the empire is the empire. The emperor is the emperor, you know? Mm -hmm. And so doing a story about Rome was, was pretty rad. And the then getting into the, the tribal nature of the story with the different Germanic peoples and, and the berserkers, which is you're, you have seen some stuff because issue two, you've seen, we're, we're pulling back the curtains. I really like, there's a lot of foreplay in this book is how I say there is, there's like, there's a lot of foreplay and that final close, those closing pages of uh, issue two, when you really see the wolves are gathering yep. and it's like, when they're talking about there, we're here because they want us here. And then it pulls back and you see like the, the war, you don't even see them. There's negative use of negative space is yes. unbelievable. Like, and I think that's terrible. It's that jaws idea of you don't show the monster, but out in the shadows, you see the eyes of the, and the spearheads coming through the woods. And it's like, what's there? Tune in next week. <laughs> same Roman time, same Roman <laughs> channel. <laughs> Luckily, I have been able to see issue three already. So, <laughs> yeah, just say I don't like to rub that in that much when I talk to from the people listening because they're like, screw you. Because every yeah. once in a while, I don't get it. And then someone talks about being able to see it the whole time. And I'm just like, I cannot wait. And they like literally, not even off recording, they're like, I'm staying tight lipped. I'm like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the, and I don't want anybody who hasn't yeah. read it to think that there's no like big action pieces yes. in the first two issues. There is, there's tons of it, but it's like, uh there's that movie um uh, 13 assassins by mm -hmm. i think it's takahashi maike uh it, it but the idea of like it's this building there's there's action throughout but it real there's no like like that it's just like straight up the whole way and that's how the story goes and it's we're the last like 30 pages of the book you're gonna close it and you're gonna be like you're gonna need a smoke like when you're yeah. done <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really good. Yeah. I'm stoked for people to see it. And I have to give credit to our editor, Allison O'Toole. Yes. Um, she has been phenomenal to work with because specifically because like being a, a new creator, like at this level, you you've been throwing so much at the wall, you get gun shy about putting it all out there and really running with your idea. And she was like, no. You have to. You're here now. You've got to run with it. Take it as far as you can. And she made me believe in my ideas more. And there were some things that I didn't have in the story at first that I didn't wasn't confident in myself enough as a writer to do. And she was there telling me to do them, which do was them, yeah. the most fulfilling experience of the whole of the whole process was working with somebody like Nick and Allison have been incredible, incredible resources to me. Uh, and with Nick now, like we're just really on this wavelength of like a creator duo where there's sometimes my like description of what is happening is like a sentence, but my intent of emotion is just like metal, just make it metal. <laughs> and then this is happening and throw this in there. And he's like, and he wrote, he highlighted a panel description for the final issue and sent it to me like last week. He goes, this is the best description of a panel I've read in a long time. I'm like, it's happening. <laughs> Fuck yes, it's yes. happening. It's yes. happening right now. <laughs> and then he's like, he goes, I know, I know. I'm so stoked. I'm like, I'm so sorry about that. He goes, no, no, no. I love it. I love it. <laughs> 
and that's issue six. You have a final issue six. This is a six issue series. Yeah. You know, it's awesome to see that in a sense we get more to live in this unit, this world that you you've created. But like, you see that it's different than what most people have been doing nowadays. A lot of these series, at least, they're doing four issues even as a mini series. What led to having? Is there just too much story to tell? And you needed six issues, or is it just what what Shadowline wanted? What, what, how, did, how did it end up with six issues? It was originally 12. Like we wrote okay. it as a 12 issue series. <laughs> and so we wrote it as 12. Um, and then Jim didn't say no to 12. He didn't okay. say no to 12. He said, let's do six and let's see how, how, it go how it goes. And I, and I think that it's the same thing. Like you're, there is a hesitancy to commit to a big run when mm -hmm. I'm new. Nick, Nick is like, Nick is Nick, but he hasn't done a lot of comics mm -hmm. in a while. He's been doing a lot of, a lot of indie book paid book and stuff like that. And um, there was a, we'll see. And so yeah. we had to change the way the story was written. Um, but we have a second arc done. So we shifted to do just the six issue run, six issues, that opening story, this is it. But there is another six issue story that we're kind of working on. Cause there's a, there's a chance that we're going to do the second run. There's a chance right now that we're going to do that second arc. Um, and I can't say what that's about without giving away stuff that happens here, but I can say that it's, it would be me, Nick, it'd be the exact same team. Okay. So it would be literally just a continuation. And I think it would be, I think it would scratch a lot of itches that people have because there are a lot of things that we have purposely not left unfinished. Everything wraps. We're not throwing a bunch of like, this might happen. And that's not happening in this story. Cause that's one of my big pet peeves. Pet peeves like it's yes. all, it is. It's all in there. It's all there. The whole story. There's no, like we show one thing happen and then we don't resolve it so we can <laughs> do it later. No, yeah. it's all done. Everything yeah. gets done, but there is a definite second half of the story that you could wonder about. Mm -hmm. um that we're gonna hopefully get into in a second arc we pitched it as the the 12 and then we dialed it back and we did six because i had in my head when i was putting it together and plotting it out i kind of like realized there's a pretty good possibility you're just going to do half the story mm -hmm. so we did six 22 page issues is the full run of dead roman and, and that's the an, heart I, yeah i'm not upset with that in the sense that like I'm, i would i don't know this is nowadays there was a shift between ongoing so like just you you created a comic book and you just kept it going until they canceled it and then they shifted to this more mini mini series maxi series stuff and it seems like there's a little bit more transition back a tiny bit transition back to ongoings there's a few more books that are coming out nowadays that are more of an ongoing like they just don't have an end um but i am huge and like i have no issue with the idea issue um with the idea of being one through six and then if it works out well, getting six more issues, I'd rather have that happen and have you be able to plan that than have it be like, oh, we're going to do 12. And after eight, uh, Shadowline and, and Image and all them are just like, eh, it's not selling that much. We're going to cancel it and you not get to finish your series. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'd rather have it be a mini series that gets a second volume totally. than it be a longer series that gets cut short and you have to force it into. It. I mean, Kyle Starks had to deal with that, uh, you know, with uh, I Hate This Place. He had planned it to be a 15 issue series and Skybound ended up only giving him 10 or 12. And so he had to force the last arc into the middle, like to push it all in. And he says it, it fit and it worked, but it's just like, if he would have known that he would have potentially written a little differently yeah. uh, going into that. So I planned it out because I'm so used to rejection. I mm -hmm. planned it out so that I would only do half. 
So it was very easy to just like, well, I've got it all ready to go. So I, I knew there were some issues because the, the opening of the story was initially, it, it opened with a conversation, a conversation of people talking about what had happened. And then that transitions into the story kind of like peters out and into now it's yeah. just happening. And the implication is that it is all just being retold from multiple perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then the second arc is that conversation in its time and then continuing on from there. So that was the intent. And if we do the second arc, it will still be in those time frames, mm -hmm. but it, that conversation aspect won't necessarily be included. Yeah. So, but you'll know when it comes out because we've talked about this. You'll know. You'll be able. You should be able to. I think this was. And, now, and I'll tell you that. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> so the series has been out for a few weeks now, months now. Uh, so we have issue one dropped March twenty second, and then you yeah, obviously had an issue two, which is on the wall behind me for those watching. It, it came out a couple weeks ago, April twenty sixth. And we have another issue. The third issue comes out May 24th. So my birthday. Uh, that's no, right. Look at yeah. that. See, I'm May so birthday, excited. May birthday. Yeah. You knew this kismet right here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and so that's great. And then obviously I'm guessing at the end of this, it'll be the volume one will be probably collected into a trade of some sort. Yeah. You can that's order the, the hardcover right now. The hardcover okay. is available for order right now. Uh, I have seen this, the, the stuff in the hardcover and it is unbelievable because the, we have put together like a wild, wild list of variant covers and mm -hmm. like Jose Villarubia, who does colors in the book, his variant for the final, like the final issue has variants from Mike Del Mundo. Mm -hmm. I know you're excited. I'm excited. <laughs> Jose Villarubia uh, as well. Uh, Miko Machejic, who I did the fourth planet with, did a variant cover for us. Uh, Adam Gorham did one. Um, Carrie Nord did a cover. Kalman Androsovsky's got one coming. Kyle Charles, Sanya Anwar. It has been like an amazing list of people to work with because all the friends that I've made and all the people that I've like wanted to work with, I was very keen to like do some tugging on the cape. Val Delandro's cover, I think, is on issue three, and it, his cover is so cool. Like it's just this really unique powerful image and it's it's all gonna look really great and all those covers are gonna be included in the hardcover and yeah so I, i'm i'm really stoked so i think that you'll really like what's coming it's a very it's cool a, looking book it's 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 visual like i said if, if people don't even like like this i don't want this to sound like a diss to you Fred, but like <laughs> if people don't even like the story and you'll probably admit to this too if you like the story, at least buy it so you can look at it. Like that's yeah. like a hundred percent. Like, and I have books that I'm not a big fan of the story. I just love the way that they look. <laughs> We've all done that. And then there's books that are the opposite that I I'm like, oh, I wish you'd gotten a different artist. Like we talked yes. about, I just grab this artist and throw them in there. So, sometimes it's like if one of my friends is up for a book. And then yeah. they don't get it. They they go with another artist. I'll buy the book just to read it and be like, they should have come. It's like, the other person. Yeah, yeah, my friend would have done such a better job. Oh, they're my friend. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but what yeah. I also love about these kind of things too is is that like when you read a book like this and the number of books that I am I read because of the podcast and the website, but also just because I'm a comic book fan is I tend to find like I didn't know Nick, and this is going to be a great awesome future because no matter what nick does i'm gonna probably buy just because of this one book and that's just cool about working with people like 
talented creators on both sides of things is like, but now you're hopefully lucky enough that whenever you do a book, yeah. Nick's going to be along for the ride. So, so uh, we, I was like gushing about, there's this fr French artist, Frank, it starts with a B. He's always posting images of these big ships and stuff. He does all these incredible like black and white washings with these ships crushing through waves, the spray, the rigging and all that. And then I posted it and Nick responded, that is so beautiful. And I'm like, we're going to put boats in the next book, buddy. So you can show this guy how it's done. He's like, I love drawing boats. I'm like, I'm going to squeeze them in somehow. There's going to be some ships and some storms and some rigging, and we're going to make it work somehow. It's going to be in the book. Some dream sequence even. It wasn't even yeah. actually part of the thing. It's just someone goes, ah, oh, and you had this like nightmare with boats and stuff in it. And then it goes back to the normal story. I'm going to do that. There's going to be a symbolic boat dream is what it's going to be. <laughs> symbolic boat dream. Boat is like flowing down a river or something. I don't yeah. know, something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, it's a Dead Romans is awesome. I, I really recommend it. Great story, like I said, the, the horror love story part of it, but also the Roman uh, aspect of it is completely uh, uh, in the comic book universe, but different. And that's one of those things that whenever I talk to my day job, talking to people about comic books, they're always just in their mind picturing Looney yeah. Tunes or like Spider-Man animated TV show. Like they just don't picture what we could actually get out of comic books nowadays yeah. that this like most people just to you know picture this story you're telling as a novel and not as a comic book and it's like no comic books there's such a variety of comic books out there there is literally something for everybody and i don't think people understand that so that's what i love about this book too because yes. in that realm but like it's if you don't like capes and tights if you don't like the superhero aspect of things check this out because this is a different story being told and that's what yeah. i love about it too so uh you grab that I'm hoping that your local comic book shop is sold out of all these things, people. But if yeah. it's not, grab it. And I, I, you know, I don't know if it's available for any of the issues are available for. But if you don't, don't worry. The hardcover you can pre-order right now. Uh, out we there, we just too. did the reprint of issue one. Okay. Uh, so the reprint of issue one is out there, and it's got two exclusive covers for the reprint. Uh, and then there is issue two is out and this, I was at Gotham, Gotham central here in, uh, the GTA, uh, on the weekend and they still had a few copies of issue two. I don't know if they have any left right now. Uh, but issue one did really well. It sold out, got reprinted. And so issue two is doing quite well. So mm -hmm. get your, there's still the FOC is done for issue three. Actually. Yes. But yes. there should be some, there should be some get in on issue, issue four. You can yes. figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, so there's, always the there's all yeah. the resale markets out there and things like that. There's someone has a copy. And that's the funny thing I always think about a book uh, uh, like this from some creators that are like more likely known for other things is the fact that it's not like you, if you go to eBay right now, you probably could type in dead Romans and buy it for $4.99. Like it's not like your book is out there selling for $20 on the resale market. <laughs> yeah. So you I'm can get it. I'm aware of the reality of the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in the future, you got like, once this, but the thing about it is once this is picked up for some other sort of multimedia project, yeah. then people will be buying $20 copies on eBay. But uh, I, I do think it fits that too, just so you know. I think Thank this is you. great. I also <laughs> think that I don't know, I haven't listened to any MUD 79 yet because obviously you're still working on that. But this also could work for a scripted podcast, I think too. I, I hey, think, we are in talks. I'm in talks right now with a British company about adapting it as an audio drama. Yeah. Uh, and I've I've played the card that I want to write it because I I do that. That's one of my jobs. Yeah. So I'm like, I can write an audio drama for sure. 
I'll send you I'll send you Mud 79 the first season if you want it. <laughs> like I've got the first season done. I can send that to you. But June I love 8th, that. Yeah. I, I think June 8th is the day that that's dropping or Yeah, June 8th is when uh cuz we did the first season. We did the whole first season and then I started working on the second season and then I went back to the first season which is 12 40 minute episodes and then I revoiced it. I did all the voice work again and then I reproduced it. I redid all the imaging because I'd like as you build, you're building this like audio suite of sound effects and, <laughs> and staples. And so I was building it and then I listened to it again. I'm like, it's not bad. Like it's pretty deep, but I can make it better. So I just made it better. And then we pulled it with the intent that we'll drop it again with the second season. So on June 8th, we dropped two episodes, which is like an hour and a half of content. Uh, and then we're doing one episode a week every Thursday and that will run for 31 weeks. Jeez. So it's a, it's a lot of work and my wife is very keen for me to be finished <laughs> and I will get it done. And I'm really stoked with how it's going. Um, the, the episode, the season two premiere is called somehow they returned. Uh, and it's, which I think is very clever. My wife did not get the joke. She's like, I'm sure it's funny to you and your nerd friends, but I don't really care. She's like, well, she loves Star you. Wars. It's for you and your nerd friends is what this yeah. is for. So yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Trust me, babe. This is, this is really important. It's really important stuff here that I'm doing. I'm, I'm changing the world. And so, so is this released on just like Spotify, Apple, all those places everywhere. Or... Yeah. It's okay. going to be all over everywhere. You get your favorite streaming audio. Yeah. So <laughs> we're putting it on all the, all the platforms and all the formats that I can get it out to. And, and I'm, it, Really fan made Star Wars story, basically. Yeah, uh, so, you're a big fan, but obviously, you're you work in pop culture, but like you're yeah. also a fan of Star Wars, as we talked it's about a, in the beginning of this episode. Yeah, it's Platoon meets Star Wars, so okay. it's set five years after the Clone Wars has ended. And it's this guy who's like 17 years old and he's on a, a like a backwater farming planet and he doesn't want to be on the farm. And he doesn't think he'll ever make it as a pro Limmy player, which was his dream growing up. Uh, and he, his family all fought for the Republic during the Clone War because the Trade Federation tried to industrialize their planet and the, the Republic came in and drove them off. And so his family fought for the Republic. And in his head, it's just a different flag. That's mm -hmm. all it is. It's just a different flag. So they all talk with it with pride about serving the Republic. So I'm going to go do my part. I'm just going to go do my part. And so then he goes off and it's not what he thought it was going to be at all. And it's, I, I, I don't like this idea that a character needs to be the best from the beginning and needs to have all the answers from the beginning. And that is why I love Ahsoka Tano as a character in star Wars. So, 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 so very much because it's such a rare thing when a character starts out and you're just like, oh my God, you're so annoying. You're so <laughs> irritating. And then you love them because you've watched them make mistakes. You've watched them be wrong. You've watched them grow and then they learn. And that is what the main character in Mud 79 goes through. They really start out with this. I've got all the answers and I, and I even wrote it from this perspective of they're cocky and they think they're smarter mm -hmm. than everybody, but they're not. And then they learn and then they grow. And yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a very boots on the ground story is how I would describe it. That's, yeah. that's amazing. I'm looking forward to it. I said the, the, and you can give me anything star Wars now. I, mean, I feel like five or six years ago, it's kind of like, yeah, I could watch it and take it or leave it. But now I'm like, 
I, I my, my friend Adam, who used to be the co-host here, I'm like literally like reading <clears throat> old novels. I'm reading books. I'm reading all this stuff. Like, just give me more Star Wars. I'm I'm all for it. So let's go both Disney and fan made stuff. I'm all for it for sure. So we'll check that out. Mud seventy nine. You're posting it on your Twitter and stuff like that. You just fearless Fred. Fearless underscore Fred under Fred on, on Twitter and stuff like that. But you're a day job. Quickly, if people live in Canada, can listen to you. Is that true? Yeah, on the radio station Q107. You ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> so people You're always so ask you. close me, to us, though. You're so close. <laughs> but so people ask me all the time what, why I have a Canadian flag. I was born in the United States. I was born in New England. I was born, like, I live in Maine most of my life. A little bit of Massachusetts, New Hampshire. Um, we, first time our podcast ever ranked on Apple Podcasts was in Canada. Yeah. And so I got a little Canadian fact to say thank you to our Canadian friends uh, for, for listening to the podcast. And I have always had it on here, uh, back here for that reason. I don't have an American flag in here because like whatever, but like Canadian flag. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're <laughs> the only country that we've continuously been ranked since the beginning is the Philippines. And I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> That's great, though. That's awesome. <laughs> so I need I feel like I need to some sort of other I got to add like flag on the wall here somewhere of all the places we ranked across the country, across the world. But um, yeah. And then uh, like I said, fearless Fred, you're, you're on Twitter and yep. you like to share all your stuff on there. And then the radio and dead Romans, pick up dead Romans and tell your LCS if they can get it, get some more in there. Uh, Cause people should, could read it for sure and pick up the hardcover. Yes, uh, anything, do. <laughs> anything else you wanted to throw out there? Little, you know, fearless Fred. <laughs> no, no, I think we're good. I think we're good. Uh, I awesome. want to come back to talk mud though. We'll go, we'll go, we'll go deep in the mud if you want. <laughs> I'm cool. So 31 weeks. What is that? So that's June till when does that, did you have like no, a, we're like, I think we wrap the first week of January. Okay. I guess. Well, so I don't have a like, star Wars week. We usually do the first week of May and I would do not, not even joking. If you want to come on there, it's a little bit, it gets people time to listen to it too. That's a little I'm bit ready. further past, but we can Let also talk about it uh, sometime. Uh, you know, maybe at the end or the beginning, we'll talk about it again. Yeah, we'll figure it sure. out. You'll be back on. You don't like to talk or anything, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, my wife says the same thing about me. She goes, I know why you started a podcast. It's because you just like to talk. I'm like, yeah, but the, the problem with podcasts is a lot of times you just have to listen to the other person talk. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I want to talk. Uh, I really appreciate you stopping in and chatting with us. Uh, you know, all the best uh, with Dead, Dead Romans. I hope people buy thousands and millions of copies of the hardcover as well so i really appreciate all the success to you fred thank you for having me man. i do appreciate it